and all your followers must give up dark magic immediately and forever. It is humanity's only path forward. It's a path backward. You just expect humans to go back to the way things were before we had magic. When humans starved and struggled, helpless and pathetic, back to a time when we were lesser beings. You are lesser beings. You are arrogant. Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Prince Edition, Season 3, Episode 1. Co-host Sunshine and I just finished a wonderful season of book two of The Legend of Korra, and we had some really neat conversations, and we talked about normalcy, what is normal, performativity, we talked about liminality, and a lot more. So if you're curious about Korra and those topics, I really recommend checking out those episodes. But for now, I want to make an announcement or two before diving into the meat of this episode. Firstly, this is a listener-supported podcast, and listeners like you help us make this all possible. So if you have a moment and the capacity and the inclination to support us, then check us out on Patreon at bnb underscore pod. Any donation will do, right? They help us choose, our patrons help us choose episode lenses for some episodes. They can join us for monthly live episodes. Some tiers get personalized mini episodes. Some of our patrons have options to join me on the podcast to discuss the Dragon Prince this season, which is really exciting. And there's a lot more perks. Um, so I really recommend you check out Patreon. Just to check them out, just to, just to see what's there. And then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. That being said, if you can't support financially, we totally understand. Um, there's a lot going on in the world right now. So another option is to rate and review the podcast and share the podcast with friends who might enjoy the content as well. I also want to mention that we have a dedicated Facebook group for listeners, and it's also called Bending Not Breaking. And, you know, we discuss episode content. Uh, Sometimes we'll ask questions and engage in witty banter. So if that's appealing to you, I recommend you come along and join us there as well. You can also find us at bnb underscore pod on all the social medias, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, etc. Okay, so that's a wrap on announcements. So let's move into the content, shall we? So we're in season three, episode one of The Dragon Prince. Soul Regum is the title of the episode. And normally at this point for The Dragon Prince episodes, I talk about uh, the lens and why I chose it and a little story about it. And this time... I decided not to choose a lens. I've been thinking about so much recently, and, you know, one lens doesn't seem to capture my thoughts at the time of this recording. And I'm, I'm sure that there are lovely lenses that would offer a great deal of learning and insight into this episode, but I really want to honor my body and my mental state and, frankly, the amount of time I can spend on this episode. So 
I am intentionally going to give myself permission to change it up a little bit and do things differently. I'm going to break up the norm and upset the, the expectations. I think we can all benefit from not falling into a rut by, by relying on the exact same format every time, right? Whether it be for a workout or, or a podcast or, <laughs> shocker, uh, or a work project even, etc. So, like, I think changing it up can, can jostle the creative juices, and that's what I'm hoping for, even as I, I wonder if I should have been more specific with a lens choice. Um, you know, I'm going to choose curiosity over criticism for myself in this moment and uh, be curious about whether this works. Okay, now I'm going to move to the recap. So, three, two, one, go. Okay, so there's three main arcs in the episode. First, you know, Rayla, Zim, Callum, they're trying to get past Sol Regum, and then they try to pass with Sneaky Like, and then they fail, and they try to reason, and then that fails, and then they try to resort quickly to Windy Vin Smelliquism, and then that ultimately gets them past Sol Regum alive, barely. And then there is this romantic tension. It's all kissy-kissy almost. And then another arc is Amaya and company at the breach, and ultimately she decides it's better to destroy the breach than leave it unattended as they decide to do what's next. And so they decide to blow up the barrels, but Sunfire Elf cuts the link, and so she decides to sacrifice herself and have everyone, uh, you know, save everyone by blowing it up herself. And then Grin tries to go after her at the last minute, but Amaya successfully blows up the breach. And then somehow they all survive. And then, you know, she gets captured by Sunfire Elves. And then also, you know, Ezrin shows up at the end. And then also, ooh, major historical moment with Solbrigham and the Dark Mage Zyart. Okay, that was a lot. Uh, but I did it. We did it. Okay. So in the Dragon Prince episodes, just as, as a reminder, what we do is we're not necessarily going through each of them all at once and going through the whole episode. What I do is I picked my top five moments that pertain usually to the lens. So for this one, no lens, but I had to just pick my top five moments that I want to talk about, which is pretty neat. And that usually uh, is not necessarily how it fits into the lens. So this is exciting. So the first one I want to talk about definitely is the opening scene. This is major, and so I went into a rabbit hole somehow because I, I ended up on Reddit, and that you know how that goes. So the top comment on this uh, thread on, on Reddit about the discussion for this episode is that this scene makes dark magic more justified. And I would like to put push back against this assertion. And, you know, there are other people who do on, on Reddit. And, you know, some of the arguments are fine. And some of the arguments are certainly not fine. But I, I, I was searching, you know, for the transcript. And I was reading back. And I was going through it. And, you know, both Sol Regum and Zayard, who I learned is his name, of uh, this mage, um, they're both so blinded, no pun intended by their eventual blindness, or Sol Regum's eventual blindness, but uh, by their prejudices of each other, and frankly, not just their prejudices, but their rightfully earned anger towards one another. Like, they are treating each other poorly, <laughs> and it seems like Sol Regum is certainly in the wrong here. And it is portrayed that way, and I agree with that. And coercion is a terrible idea, and deciding to, you know, annihilate an entire city to convince people to not do dark magic is a terrible idea. And is that much better than doing dark magic, frankly? Like, I, I, I think that, you know, if we're worried about the loss of life, because that's what dark magic does then killing people seems like a bad way to accomplish that. 
<laughs> some call me crazy. Uh, call me. Oh, I don't like saying that. Oops, my bad. Call me wild. Um, it's wild, right? It's it's a like how how does it make sense to commit the very thing you are trying to prevent in order to prevent it, right? I think that's a bad idea. So it's it's clear that Sol Rigum has. Uh, you know, some not great ideas in this situation. And, like, you know, ultimatums aren't ideal either, and I don't love that that's how it was provided. And I, I just I just think that these two didn't really have any interest, frankly, in talking it out. Or rather, perhaps Sol Regum didn't have any interest in talking it out. And that's the problem. It was merely a facade to lure him lure Zayard, 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 Z, I don't know how we pronounce his name, but to lure him to this faraway place in order to get what he wanted. It's a form of manipulation. It's not okay. And no wonder he immediately started to do dark magic, right? I, I don't blame him in this moment. He was being oppressed. And I, I, I think that Sol Regum is clearly in the wrong. That being said, I do not think that justifies dark magic. I think it helps me understand why dark magic was used, but again, I don't think it justifies the use of dark magic. And, you know, I think there's a really fine line there that's that's worth paying attention to, because that's important, right? It's just because you're being oppressed doesn't mean that, you know, you get to use this thing that kills other beings in order to accomplish what you need. And at the same time, I am definitely not in a place to judge Eric because I'm not being oppressed by a bunch of magical beings or dragons, frankly. So I definitely see how this moment really complicates the use of dark magic. And I think that's its intention, right? Is to complicate it. Because is it inherently bad? Even if it is, what we see is there is sometimes a reason to use something that is inherently bad. If that's the best tool you have to save your life and to save an entire kingdom. So... I'm just going to put that out there uh, and let that sit with you. And if you have a response, I'd love to hear it because, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert on this. I just wanted to shine a light on it. And I hope that you'll lift it up if that's something that you'd like to do. Okay, for my second point, I would love to talk about Callum and Moonshadow Magic. I didn't realize before how intentional this episode is with illustrating Callum's understanding of the Moon Arcane. Like, it is clearly showing how attuned he is to not just magic in general, but especially the Moon Arcanum. And, and not just magic in the sense of, like, ooh, magic, but but also the magic of, of listening to other people. Like, it shows how well he listens to others. Like, he listens to Lujane, he clearly listens to Rayla, especially when she starts going into, here's some, like, Moonshadow tactics, stealth tactics, right? And... You know, there's just a lot of mutual respect from Callum and the people he chooses to learn from who teach him magic and have a magical capacity. And I love how curious he is. I love how 
empathetic we get to see him be, right? And, you know, Rayla confirms how empathetic Callum is when she starts talking to him to defend him when she was originally talking to Sol Rigum. She, you know, starts to say, Callum's the best, he's the best, and then he's, she looks at him and her voice changes a little bit and she's like really kind of sort of like declares her love for him, you know, you know, implicitly anyway. And, you know, they almost kissy kissy later. So, you know, this is just laying some foundational work for what's coming later. Spoiler alert. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to notice his attunement to moon shadow magic. I think that's super neat. For my third moment, I want to talk about Amaya and Grin. I love this moment when Grin shows up and she just runs up to greet him. She takes a moment to to notice what has changed. She pays attention to his beard and they clearly are such good friends. And I love this reunion. It just reminds me of this, that it reminds me of the scene in uh, Love Actually where everybody's in the airport and they're all greeting all their loved ones. And it's just, it's really beautiful. And this is a, this is a moment of true friendship when they, when they greet each other, and I, I loved it. It's beautiful, and I also love how Grin is so attuned to the people around him that, you know, he starts speaking in ASL immediately for Amaya, and he also is intentional about speaking aloud so that uh, everyone can be included in the conversation who ends up being in the conversation. And, you know, it's not something that other language speakers <laughs> do very often or very well so i i'm really grateful for for grin kind of modeling what it looks like to include people uh who are trying to listen and trying to be involved and so i i really appreciate how grin is so thoughtful in that moment and kind of sticking with this theme of amaya and grin i want to go to my fourth point and Talk about Amaya and this whole sacrificing thing. I want to be wary of of this. I don't love sacrifice being the ideal in this regard. I don't know that I... I'm, I'm trying to figure out the language to, to offer this to you all, but I guess I'll start with what I enjoy. I really love how, you know, Quick is... Grin is quick to um, point out that if Amaya goes and defends the breach and blows it up, she will not survive. And her reply is beautiful, right? She says, but you all will. And also I hate it. Like I hate that there's so much glory in sacrificing our bodies. And I I just, I have to talk about that with a, like, with a therapist probably for myself, because (laughs) I don't know that I have it all figured out for, for sure. But it just is so clearly affirmed in many religions, but also in so many fictional texts, right? It's like the Lord of the Rings, as Frodo has to sacrifice himself, and Harry Potter, you name it. Like, so many versions of this sacrificial narrative exist. And I'm just, I really kind of want this fantasy to exist in which people don't have to die, right? And then then again, maybe I'm just being romantic or idealistic, right? And that, like, part of that is what makes the story so rich in in detail, is that people have to choose to make these decisions. And I just really, 
I want to imagine a world where we don't have to do that. Like, what, what would that be like? What would it be like to imagine a world in which we wouldn't have to sacrifice ourselves in order to accomplish good in the world? I'm just, I'm offering that as a question. <laughs> what would that be like? I, I also am kind of thinking about this from the perspective of Amaya's mortality. Like, we get a really clear picture of it in uh, this episode, and I definitely didn't mean mortality. I meant morality. Excuse, duh. Um, you know, this willingness to die herself is not rooted in the fact that she wants to die. It's not to to kill for what she believes in or to to die, right? It's to achieve something that is good for the world, and we see this like. Uh, hesitancy to to take a life when she rescues the Sunfire Elf, whose name we don't know yet, right? Only to be captured herself, right? She's willing to do what she needs to do, but killing people for, you know, out of revenge or out of spite is not in her wheelhouse. And I just, I love that about Amaya here also. So I'm lifting that up. I think that's beautiful. And then that brings us to our fifth thing on our top five, the last one, which is Ezrin's entrance into the throne room. And we got to start off talking about Opelli because, like, we got to mention how she's talking about, like, permanently, permanently dealing with Viren. And... She's, like, talking about ending him. Like, is it? does this mean, like, everything? This is, like, execution? Because I'm, I'm just saying, this seems really extreme. I mean, he's clearly a very powerful person and has a lot of sway. And I, I don't know, it seems extreme. That being said, knowing what's coming makes you wonder, would it have been a better option? And I don't know the answer to that. That's really a problematic question in and of itself. But, you know... I think that's exactly right. The problem is they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen, right? And when you don't know, I don't think you should have the power to make that judgment. I I think that putting, I don't know, I don't, obviously my thoughts on capital punishment are clear here, but I do, I do think that he deserves to be, you know, watched carefully and to... Um, not be allowed to have such immense power as uh, he will gain, but I do really want us to be critical of taking the live life. I was going to say lives, but that turned into just really a southern accent. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm thinking about this. It's it's it makes me nervous. I don't I don't love it, and I'd love some clarity. So if you have a lot of clear thoughts on this I, I would love to hear it because I also think that it's it's clearly rooted in in who has power that can make that decision and oftentimes people in power don't have clarity uh they don't have the full story and anyway I I'm I digress so back to Ez um he goes straight to the throne and he's riding this giant animal. He goes, rides on the animal straight to the throne, doesn't acknowledge anybody. They're all like, oh my gosh, Ezrin. And he just walks straight there, puts his hand on the throne, 
takes a moment and then turns around. And I just find that to be fascinating. He He's confident well beyond his years and wisdom. And, and I think, you know, I think that happens often when people lose the people they love. When losing someone you love can age you a great deal in terms of how you interact with others and how you walk into a room even. So I'm just thinking about how heavy uh, his father's death is weighing on him in this moment as he reaches out to this chair, to this throne. And I just want, I'm, I'm thinking, well, for Ezrin, this is a tough moment. And he just is, it's really beautiful. So I'm, I'm grateful that we got to witness that and see how he did it. All right. Well, we have now come to the end of the top five. Thank you for indulging me in this lovely adventure. We are going to take a short break, and then we'll be back shortly for our Lens MVP and for some gratitude. share my pick. My pick for the MVP of this episode is Ziard. Ziard? Ziard. Ziard. I don't know his name. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I just am getting this from all kinds of resources online. But essentially, this is the the dark mage uh, at the beginning of the episode that is interacting with Sol Regum. So he is the first human to learn dark magic. First human to execute dark magic and uh it was given to him by by someone and i can't really begrudge people trying something that might save them in the face of oppression it is easy for me one outside of this situation <laughs> with the privilege of not having dragons attack me and belittle me or elven magic users treating me as a lesser race. It's easy for me in that position to condemn his actions and his choices. I think the better option would be to to build a sustainable situation in which he and others would not need to resort to something like dark magic. And I, I wish that the elves and the dragons and Zadia had done so. How do we build something that makes it so that those resources aren't necessary? And I'm just, I'm really thankful for that lesson. And that's why I'm grateful for Ziard. 
And I, and I welcome you all to consider uh, who you would nominate as the MVP. We'd love to hear your, your choices always. Um, send us a voicemail, follow us on all the things, tweet at us your nomination, uh, and send us a little explanation why. We might even read it on the podcast. Okay, gratitude. I am grateful for Zim. Zim really made me chuckle at the end of the episode, and I'm not sure if I noticed this before, but after the whole kerfuffle with uh, Solrigum, uh, after Callum and Raylum pull their stunt, Zim is kind of lingering behind and like kicks dust back towards Sol Regum in a very cute way. And I just think about how like he did not do anything useful during that entire time. And then he's walking away feeling proud and like, haha, we got you. And I just love that Zim is in that moment and 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 felt that kind of pride. And I love that he sees his uh the group's success as his success. And I, I really think that's beautiful to, to see such community coming from Zim and a, that strong sense of us, right? So I'm grateful for, for Zim for reminding me of the us in this, not just the, the individual egotistical, egocentric mind that I often have. So I'm grateful for Zim. And, you know, I've also been craving more laughter in my life and Zim gave me that. So lots of reasons to be grateful for Zim. All right, y'all, BNB underscore pod is where you can find us. You can also find us on Patreon, Bending Not Breaking. Uh, we have lots of fun things in store for you on Patreon, including monthly live episodes with me and my co-host for the main feed of the pod, Alex Mayfield, a.k.a. Sunshine. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sunshine, and I also want to thank Noah Blanchard, who is our executive producer and podcast editor. He's great. I love him and all of our patrons. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and until next time, be well.